It's, it's really just a tragedy. We're, we're just trying to process um, a, a lot of this, and it's, it's going to take a long time. The struggle facing the family of an American woman killed along with her Australian boyfriend in northern B.C. He looks like a ton of bricks. A woman who was bedridden is killed in a house fire. And why these helicopters are getting ready to take on some fishy passengers. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news on the North Shore. Fire crews in North Vancouver are currently executing a dangerous rescue in Lynn Cannon. Officials on scene tell Global News crews have been lowered into one of the canyon's pools to rescue a young woman in distress. It's believed she injured her ankle while cliff diving at the canyon's 90-foot pool. Officials say she managed to hold onto metal rungs until rescuers reached her. And we'll have more on this story later in the news hour. We are now hearing from the family of the American woman killed in northern B.C. along with her Australian boyfriend. China Deese's brother is frustrated by the lack of information into the couple's death. Police aren't saying much, only that all necessary resources are being assigned to the case. And tonight we're learning more about one piece of evidence from the crime scene. Nadia Stewart begins our coverage from northern B.C. Just makes you wonder. I've never thought of it ever happening up and down this highway. It was last Monday when John Wright got the call to go and pick up this 1986 Chevy van. It wasn't until he arrived he realized the van was also a key piece of evidence in a double homicide investigation. Guided me in, backed me into the van, and wouldn't let me touch anything other than just to hook onto it and drag it onto the truck. Wright says he still feels safe driving along Highway 97, He's thought a lot about the events leading up to Lucas Fowler and China Deese's deaths. Yeah, makes you wonder who you're going to go get or what's next, or but try not to think about it too much. This sign offers the only indication something happened here on Highway 97, about 20 kilometers south of Liard Hot Springs. This is the area where police say the couple's bodies, along with their blue Chevrolet van, were found. Police are now asking for dash cam footage captured last Sunday or Monday. Investigators waited four days before first making this public appeal for help. Police are not saying much about the investigation, only that it is their top priority. Despite the incident, this pair hitchhiking from Liard Hot Springs to the Yukon say they feel safe. Everyone that, that gives us a ride talks about that and mm-hmm. there, are, there has been also people stopping by to, to, to mention. Us, are, are, you yeah, are you aware, aware of this? Of uh, are you safe? But for some, that feeling of safety has been shaken. It just blows my mind that on that same highway there could be so good but yet so evil. Sandra Broughton says she will never forget meeting Lucas Fowler and China Deese. It was last Sunday and her family was heading home from a camping trip in the Yukon when she and her husband pulled over to help the young travelers. There was a van broke down and we just pulled over to see if they needed help. They seemed like they kind of had it under control. The Broughtons continued on to Fort Nelson only to discover days later the couple was found dead. We went there, we were there to help them, like almost like an angel there to help them in a way, like trying to be good and help them. But yet that same day, the complete opposite of humanity hurt them. Nadia Stewart, Global News, Fort Nelson. Just before noon, a small cavalcade arrives at RCMP E-Division headquarters in Surrey. Inside the three vehicles are family members of Lucas Fowler, 
escorted by Australian police officials. Investigators are not providing any new details about the murders of 23-year-old Lucas Fowler and 24-year-old China Dees, who were slain on the side of Highway 97 a week ago. They've been very tight-lipped and um, I understand it's an ongoing investigation, but there's still so many questions and then on how it's been handled, it's very, very frustrating. China's brother says the family is desperate for answers about how this vibrant, warm and well-traveled woman could have lost her life in such a violent way. China had a lot of friends and um, a huge family. She's one of um, six children. China had joined her longtime boyfriend, Lucas Fowler, at a Hudson's Hope ranch for a week before they left on their fateful trip. They were driving a 1986 van that had previously been owned by another farmhand, who has since returned to Switzerland. And then this spring, uh, Lucas saw the, the van and he figured that that was the perfect vehicle for, for him and China to, to go travel. But just days later, the couple were murdered. A criminologist says cases like this are very rare, but can be motivated by robbery, sex crimes, or the drug trade. And a fairly active uh, drug trade in that part of, uh, of BC. Um, it's a bit of a drug route running up into Yukon and Northwest Territories. The RCMP are planning to hold a media briefing on Monday. Until then, they want the traveling public to take proper safety precautions. It's really just a tragedy. We're, we're just trying to process a lot of this, and it's, it's going to take a long time. Julia Foy, Global News. Now to that deadly fire in Maple Ridge. Despite efforts to rescue a woman who was trapped in a rental home engulfed in flames, she didn't survive. On top of this tragedy, eight people have been left homeless by the fire. Tanya Beja reports. A five-month-old kitten is all Deanna Croker and Anthony Kerr have left. Don't have nothing. We just lost everything that we owned on this, on this, on this earth. On Saturday, fire gutted the rural Maple Ridge home they shared with five others. All of us just frantically started running up the balcony and up the back stairs to try and, you know, get Terry out of there. The blinds were melting right there, right there in front of me. It was, it was so hot in there. I couldn't even get my arm in the window. Rochelle Bean and Daniel Hildebrandt weren't home when the fire started, but got the call that their roommate, 54-year-old Terry Brown, died in the blaze. I thought it was a joke. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on. Hit us like a ton of bricks. They say Brown had chronic health issues and relied on an oxygen device. She did get up and she did maneuver around a little bit, but it wasn't much. She just couldn't get out fast enough. Fire officials are still investigating how the blaze started and why it grew so quickly but say the roof had been renovated many times. There's several false roofs and several layers of roofing material that uh, were burning and was difficult for us to access. Eight people, including two who lived in a trailer on their property, are now homeless and searching for support. You seem to be left kind of floundering, you know, like, I mean, now I'm wandering around town with my cat I, and I don't know where to go. We have no idea what we're gonna do. We pretty much own what we have on us right now. Everything else is gone. Tanya Beja, Global News. And three people are homeless after a house caught fire in Burnaby. It happened in the 5100 block of Patrick Avenue at about 9.30 last night. In this case, everyone made it out safely. The fire was contained to the second floor and attic. So far, no word on the cause. 
The province will use helicopters to fly thousands of salmon past a rock slide on the Fraser River. The landslide hit northwest of Kamloops a month ago, creating a five-meter waterfall that is preventing many fish from swimming upstream to spawn. Crews are building an off-channel holding pond below the slide. Salmon will then swim through a one-way gate into the pond to be netted, tagged, and placed into aluminum transfer tanks. The tanks will then be flown by helicopter upstream to where the fish will be released into the water. Well, uh, if we can start moving fish tomorrow, we'll, we'll move those fish tomorrow and we'll get them released north of the slide. But I mean, it's you know, it, with the trap with the trapping and movement by helicopter, that's that can do you know you know a, a significant number of fish uh, per hour. So that the helicopter methodology is, uh, you know, we, we have done this in the past in some other areas, and it's, you know, it's a way to start getting some more fish uh, up of the slide while we work on these sort of other method, methods that might prove to be able to move more fish faster. In West Kelowna, a controversial anti-abortion billboard has been taken down after a decision by the Ad Standards Council. Megan Turcato reports on why the council ruled against the billboard, And what's going up instead? A controversial anti-abortion billboard that stood beside the highway in West Kelowna for more than a year has been taken down. After a decision by an Ad Standards Council. A decision that disappointed the local group that installed the billboard. We don't agree with the decision. The old billboard read, our right to life does not depend on location and some complained, arguing the images were misleading. The billboard before indicated that a woman uh, who was almost full term could still just have the choice to terminate the pregnancy. The Ad Standards Council that reviewed the complaints agreed, saying that it is extremely rare that abortions are performed in Canada at this late stage of pregnancy and are not done on demand. They also felt it was demeaning to women who may, because of medical reasons, have to uh, consider having a late-term abortion and would be very upsetting to them. However, the Kelowna Right to Life Society stands by their billboard. Well, we don't think it's misleading because, in fact, there is no law against abortion in Canada throughout all nine months of pregnancy. So even a, a woman at that stage, late stage of pregnancy can get an abortion in Canada if she can find a doctor to do it. And we don't believe that it um, discriminates or put in a bad light any group of human beings. After being told to take down or amend their old billboard, the Right to Life Society has put up a new sign, this one focusing on how men feel about abortions. Men are negatively affected by abortion as well. And we believe the message is fairly simple and straightforward and will withstand any sort of ad standards attack against the ad. This billboard is expected to run for at least six months. Megan Turcato, Global News, West Kelowna. We're getting our first glimpse of the new Canada Line cars, which are en route from South Korea to B.C. The first train is being shipped and is expected to arrive in the next couple of weeks. Another 11 trains will arrive over the next year. The new trains are part of an $88 million investment by the feds, the province and TransLink. The trains will have to be tested here before going into service early next year. More than a dozen hikers have begun the journey at Mount Baker today in memory of a fallen Abbotsford police officer. Members of the Abbotsford Police Department, Central Valley Search and Rescue and the RCMP started the climb this morning in memory of Constable John Davidson. He was shot and killed while responding to a call in November 2017. The 53-year-old planned to scale Mount Baker but died before getting the chance to fulfill that dream. 
His three children are also taking part in the climb, and when they reach the summit, they plan to leave behind a commemorative coin in his honor. Police and ICBC are partnering up to help boaters stay safe and sober on the water. North Vancouver RCMP launched Project Wave at Cates Park. Officers are on water and land, educating boaters about safety. Life jackets for everyone and a tow rope are essential on board. An average of 68 people die on the water each year in B.C. And it's hoped this campaign will bring those numbers down. Police are also reminding the public that the days of bringing a cooler of beer on a small boat are over. You can't have alcoholic beverages on a boat unless you cover off uh, certain criteria. One being there has to be a bathroom facility. A lot of these small boats you're going to see, obviously, they're not going to have a, a bathroom facility when they come in to launch from these places. Uh, it's got to have a cooking area. It's got to have a designated sleeping area. And then you also have to be anchored or docked before you can uh, enjoy a, a beverage on the water. A special honour in Richmond today for a young burn survivor who is making a choice to give back. In his sister Caitlin's footsteps, we are honoured to present the 2019 Tessa Beauchamp Spirit Award to Brandon Laxa. 19-year-old Brandon Laxa was honoured for his work with Burn Camp. Fifteen years ago, he and his sister Caitlin were at home when a couch caught fire. Crews managed to pull them to safety, but Brandon suffered burns to his arm. This past February, the family was reunited with the firefighters who saved their children thanks to Burn Camp. Brandon just graduated from the Justice Institute and plans to become a firefighter. Definitely means a lot to me, you know. I've came to camp for 13, over 13 years now and just, I wouldn't be who I am and where I am today without this organization and this camp and, you know, now that I'm graduated and I can become on the other side of the, of the camp as a junior counselor, it, it feels like a way I could, just like a small portion, just to give back just a little bit. He's one of those campers who always has a smile on his face. He's always encouraging others at camp. And his, uh, his smile and uh, his positive attitude has been really contagious around camp. So we just wanted to recognize him. I think it's terrific that he's recognized his purpose now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, weather-wise, what's going on? It's hot, hot, hot. 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 <laughs> Feels like Mother Nature is now heating up, uh, feeling more summer-like out there. Uh, temperatures are soaring, especially along the south coast. Uh, we're looking at some of the numbers right now. Out of the airport, 27, but we did get up to 29 degrees today and many areas away from the water, feeling into the low 30s, so a hot one. Interior areas for Kamloops Day also getting up to 31. A bit of a break is on the way. We will be tracking a change. I'll have more on that. And a few spots across the province still seeing a few isolated thunderstorms for the early evening. And Barry, lots on the sports lineup. Mm-hmm, yes, not it was not hot in Northern Ireland. No, today. Was, um, I don't think it is very often. And rainy <laughs> and windy, kind of what you'd expect uh, from the Open Championship, but it was. Uh, perfect weather for Shane Lowry, who really didn't get challenged as uh, he won his first major. It's just such a fabulous atmosphere. We'll hear from him as uh, he wins. He's the champion golfer of the year, as they say in the Open. It's all about the love of Lowry. (laughs) It is. Tomorrow will mark one year since the mass shooting on the Danforth in Toronto that claimed two lives and injured many more. Today, the community came together to remember what happened and the impact it's had on the city. Karen Lieberman reports. 
Every day is one more day since I've seen her, so it just keeps getting harder. The younger sister of Reese Fallon, killed while out celebrating a friend's birthday on the Danforth, describes her feelings. Personally, with me, I think like right now has been the hardest time because it's like all, it's not just been like a year of healing. It's been like a year since I've seen her. Fallon was 18 years old, had just graduated high school with plans to head off to university to study nursing. She was my best friend, very close with her. So it's been a hard year without her. And Cheryl Fallon explains the grief is no less today than it was the day she learned her niece had died. I'm still in disbelief. I still wake up every day in disbelief. It's hard just to, to deal with and to know that this is the one year anniversary. To me, it doesn't, like, it doesn't seem like a year ago. In the midst of war, I choose peace. A ceremony was held Sunday to commemorate the lives lost on the Danforth when a gunman went on a shooting rampage. Juliana Cozes, age 10. The second victim, out with family on July 22nd last year for ice cream on the Danforth. The message today is to show solidarity, to show community, to show that we still care and we still love each other. But many in the community say time has yet to heal the emotional wounds of last summer's violent attack. It was shocking to the community when it happened and still we feel... We still feel the, the aftershocks of that. People have either lived here, grown up here, had family who lives here, or they just come here to be entertained. And that's why it was such a, 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 an epic tragedy. Jeanette Dowson invited neighbours and strangers alike to draw chalk messages to help express their emotions. My hope is that as a community we'll, we will continue to engage uh, with uh, the discussion around gun violence, around mental health issues. Quinn Fallon prefers not to think about the night her sister was killed. The more I think about the night, it's just like the more hard it is. Instead, she clings to small symbols that help keep her sister's memory alive. These earrings that are angel wings, and then Juliana's family got these for me. Karen Lieberman, Global News. One person has died and another is in hospital after a small plane crash in Jasper National Park. RCMP were called in after a small aircraft crashed into the Athabasca River this afternoon. Paramedics responded to the crash and declared one person dead at the scene. Another person was taken to hospital in critical condition by air ambulance. It's believed the plane was attempting to take off from a nearby airstrip. The Transportation Safety Board has been called in to investigate. A former Humboldt Broncos player who broke his back when the team's bus crashed last year says he's heading back to Saskatchewan to try for a spot on the team. Grayson Cameron's training included spending time with the Calgary Flames training staff. He also took on assistant coaching last year for a Red Deer team that he was with before the Broncos. Broncos training camp starts in late August. The crash between a bus carrying the Broncos and a semi in April 2018 claimed 16 lives and injured 13 others. Tensions are growing over Iran's seizure of a British tanker off the coast of Iran. Today, a recording emerged showing that Iranian forces defied a British warship when they boarded and seized the ship three days ago. The incident puts Britain in the middle of the dispute over U.S. sanctions against Iran. Ali Arouzi reports from Tehran. Iran yesterday released dramatic footage showing the Revolutionary Guard speedboat surrounding the tanker and masked armed commandos repelling from helicopters onto the deck of the ship. And today, a maritime security firm called Global Dryad obtained an intercept of a radio exchange between a British Navy frigate, the IRGC, and the British flag tanker moments before it was seized. 
please confirm that you are not intending to violate international law by unlawfully attempting to board the MV Center. If you obey, you will be safe, Captain. After your course 2360 degrees immediate. Then the British frigate radios the British oil tanker, saying, you are conducting transit passage in a recognized international strait under international law. Your passage must not be impaired, impede, obstructed or hampered. Now today, Iran's ambassador to the UK says that Tehran is firm and ready for all scenarios, but the list leaves Britain in a position where they want to send a robust message to Iran that their actions will have consequences, but they don't want to be so full-bodied that they talk themselves into being part of a US military strike against Iran. In any case, this crisis is, as it draws out further and further, is going to draw other countries into this crisis and draw them closer to the U.S. position on Iran. Ali Arouzi, NBC News, Tehran. British Airways has suspended its flights to and from Cairo for a week. The airline attributed the cancellations to what it called its constant review of security arrangements at all airports. Lufthansa has resumed its flights to Cairo after a one-day suspension, saying it was a precautionary safety measure. Both the U.S. and U.K. authorities have warned citizens about traveling to parts of Egypt over fears of terrorist attacks. Fresh clashes broke out between police officers and demonstrators in Hong Kong today. Tear gas was fired into crowds of protesters who are growing more concerned about China's power over what is supposed to be an autonomous territory. Chaos yet again on the streets of Hong Kong. Police fired tear gas to disperse protesters late on Sunday as anger over an extradition bill turned into a fresh front against what many see as a broader erosion of freedoms by Beijing. Thousands descended on China's representative office here, a direct challenge to the authorities and the city's political masters in the Chinese capital. Millions have taken to the streets in the past two months, an unprecedented show of force against Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam. It's triggered the worst social turmoil to rock the former British colony since it returned to Chinese rule 22 years ago. Some protesters threw paint bombs at the walls of the liaison office, others spray-painted graffiti in the latest wave of demonstrations to hit the Asian financial centre. We urge the government to stop leading Hong Kong toward the brink of destruction. Sunday's march focused on calls for the full withdrawal of the extradition bill, which would allow people to be extradited to mainland China for trial, and an independent investigation into complaints of police brutality. This protest is just the latest in a series of rallies that have plunged the Chinese-ruled city into political crisis. More demonstrations are planned over coming weekends. U.S. President Donald Trump is backslamming four Democratic congresswomen. It has been a full week of a Twitter tirade against the lawmakers, and his comments are kicking off a firestorm. Here's Craig Boswell. President Trump today adding to his week-long sustained attack on four Democratic congresswomen of color, saying he doesn't believe they are capable of loving our country. Tragically, the president has decided that racism is good politics. Racism is a good political strategy. There's a reason why he keeps returning to attacking these women of color. One of the president's top policy advisors denies that. I fundamentally disagree with the view that if you criticize somebody, 
and they happen to be a different color skin, that that makes it a racial criticism. House Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings, when asked if the president is a racist. I believe he is, he, yes, no doubt about it. And, and I, I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. Mr. Trump today describing as fake news a Washington Post report the president's top aides did not think he fully understood what he had done in the original Go Back tweet that set off the firestorm. When you as elected official or anyone speak up against this nation, the president will check you in your place. Words matter. They do matter. They have an impact and they affect people. There's no doubt that this rhetoric is hurtful. Um, you know, I think he owes these women an apology. The president insisting the congresswomen owe an apology for their criticism. Both sides digging in on a feud, now the driving issue of the 2020 election. Craig Boswell, NBC News. Returning now to the rescue on the North Shore, we can now tell you that the young woman is safe and on dry land. Fire officials tell Global News the crew members were lowered into one of the canyon's pools to rescue the young woman who was in distress. She injured her ankle while cliff diving at the canyon's 90-foot pool this afternoon. Officials say fortunately she managed to hold onto metal rungs until rescuers reached her. She was unable to swim. Uh, luckily, she grabbed onto the ladders that were installed to keep people out of the water. And uh, that she kept herself there while we got set up. We had probably one of our best rescues ever. The guys were right on it really fast. And we had her out in a very short period of time. All's well that ends well. Let's turn to Yvonne Shell now with a look at the weather. Wow, it was hot, even though I wouldn't know. I never left the office. <laughs> We're in air conditioning, and I think a lot of people today are cranking up the AC, got their fans, or trying to stay cool if you were by the water. Yeah, it's very hot, 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 and today feeling very summer-like. It feels like it's been overdue. A beautiful shot overlooking English Bay. It's been a mainly sunny sky today. 27 is our current temperature at the airport, but we did climb up to 29 degrees. Uh, briefly, we've got a light northwesterly wind at 9, nine kilometers per hour. So a few spots, uh, areas away, getting up to 33 near Chilliwack, Coquitlam today up to 30. 31 degrees and across the south coast for the island inland today also getting up to 29 degrees Lillooet in the low 30s and areas near Terrace today getting up to 24 degrees we still have some active weather for the northern half of the province and central areas the peace right now southern sections or regions are looking at a severe thunderstorm warning that is in effect we've got a system that is or a line of thunderstorms that's going to push in we could see very windy conditions hail produced with these thunderstorms and intense downpours in terms of rain fall. That'll dissipate shortly, though, within the next two hours. Upper level chart, as we put it into play, we will see a brief change on the way, and this will be Tuesday into Wednesday for the southern half of the province. We'll see cooler temperatures, a few showers, rain will be for the interior, and then it rebounds. It'll be Thursday, Friday, and into our next Saturday that we'll start to see the return for some heat. Metro Vancouver, the peak of the heat today, but it'll still be another warm day tomorrow, and the peak of the heat for the southern interior is still for tomorrow, and then on Wednesday, it does start to cool off for those who are looking for a reprieve and a bit of a break. Fire danger rating, a reminder, if you are camping outdoors, uh, please dispose your cigarettes. Um, and we are looking at a few spots now into the interior popping up as moderate along the island. The southern tip looking at high. For the piece up to 27 degrees, so still two more hot days. And then on Wednesday, a few showers. Whitehorse will be looking at the risk of thunderstorms. It'll be similar across the northern half for coastal sections. Inland near Smithers 
Joseph Stewart and Kitimat also seeing the thunderstorm risk tomorrow and then showers and unsettled on Tuesday. Caribou and Central Interior hot tomorrow up to 27 degrees. The Columbia and Kootenai will see a little bit of a blip with an increase in cloud cover and a chance of showers late in the day tomorrow. Hot on your Tuesday. Tops in Okanagan, a partly cloudy sky. It's on Tuesday towards the evening that we are looking at a chance of showers. And for areas near Whistler, still pleasant over the next two days. Warming up though for areas near Pemberton and then along the island. It's inland near Port Alberni that will see a high tomorrow. 27 degrees. A few spots closer to the water will be into the low 20s. Not as hot tomorrow, but still warm and sunny for both our Monday, Tuesday. It's late Tuesday and towards our Wednesday morning. A chance for some showers. It should clear out by the evening on our Wednesday and then Thursday, Friday. We're back into the heat and temperatures into the low 20s. For tomorrow, areas away from the water up to 28 degrees, but feeling closer to 30. Robin? All right, good stuff, Yvonne. A two-year-old Saskatchewan girl is fighting to live a normal life. Haley Woodwood's family noticed something wasn't right when she got sick last year. As Taylor Bratt reports, it's been a long road to find out exactly what was making her ill. Bright-eyed and overflowing with joy. You wouldn't know by looking at Haley that for the past year, she's been in and out of the intensive care unit. We didn't know that she had swallowed the item. Last July, when Haley was just a year old, she swallowed a teddy bear's plastic eye, but it went undetected. Uh, shortly after, she started to show signs of like asthma or uh, like a chest infection. That's when hospital trips became routine for the family. Unfortunately, no one could find anything for us or uh, give us an exact answer because we did start to treat asthmatic symptoms. After several trips to specialists and doctors, finally, the cause of the problem. February 7th, they found the object and uh, after that we started to uh, get into small day surgeries and uh, unfortunately after that there were uh, holes in her throat found that needed to be repaired. With an answer about what happened, the road to recovery still lies ahead. Haley isn't able to eat with her family because her throat is collapsing. She eats through a feeding tube five times a day. Each feeding takes an hour. But through procedure after procedure, this family says their little girl is a spectacle of resilience. She will uh, fight with her sisters or wrestle with the dog or uh, go play with her toys and yell at her TV and it, she is just about unaffected by it. Now with a date set for a reconstructive throat surgery, the family has advice for other parents worried something might be wrong. Please keep pushing, yeah, just double check, <laughs> triple check. And one modest hope. I would really love to, for her to have Christmas dinner. Taylor Brott, Global News. Good. Well, Bear is here with Sports Now, and I guess the biz, big story is Shane Lowry. Yeah, he's uh, just uh, looking at his round today. He's just kind of one of those big, kind of fun-loving guys That's that you really would nice. play a round of golf with. I mean, he just happens to be one of the best players in the world. But <laughs> yeah, it just happens. You got the feeling that, that nobody, either watching on TV or at the course, wanted anyone else to win. <laughs> 
than Shane Lowry, and they got their wish. Thanks, Robin. Um, Irish eyes may have been smiling on Shane Lowry this week at Royal Portrush. He certainly didn't need much luck of the Irish. This was all skill and will as Lowry cruised to his first ever major win, really not allowing any of his pursuers any hope on this blustery Sunday at the Open Championship. Conditions yesterday, perfect. Today, all about survival. Rain, wind, anything around par would be a great score playing in those gales, but that was not the case for many of Lowry's pursuers. J.B. Holmes played in the final group yesterday, was in third place when the day began, disintegrated. 16 over par today, 87, went from third place to 67th. Brooks Kepka, who a lot of people had their eye on, Mr. Major, but bogeyed his first four holes, not a factor, finished tied for fourth with Lee Westwood at 600. Meanwhile, Lowry had a four-shot cushion when the day began, bogeyed his first hole, but then got back on track on the third. He knows every inch of that course. It's just three and a half hours from his hometown in the Republic of Ireland. Uses the slope so well. Great approach there led to birdie. He also birdied the fourth and then on the par five seventh, third shot. His touch around the green, such a difference maker. Left another tap in birdie. He got to 18 under and stretched his lead to six on Tommy Fleetwood. The lead was down to four at the 14th. Fleetwood got in some trouble. This is his third shot on the par four from the deep rough. Can't hold the green with the approach. He would make double bogey. Ended up three over on the day and solo second. So it was really just the Shane Lowry show going down the stretch. All he had to do was avoid any kind of Van de Velde-like disaster to bring home the Claret Jug at the 15th. Why not give those thousands of fans watching his every move another thrill? Great approach to about seven feet. And then he will step up and knock it in for birdie. The roar is deafening for the Irishman. Six-shot lead with just three to play. It really allowed him to enjoy the final three holes at 18, his approach. What he had to do, just 30 feet right of the hole, and if it wasn't clinched already, now it was, and uh, Lowry allowing himself to celebrate a surreal moment. The crowd was behind him all weekend long. Lowry really trying to take in all that love from the fans who really adopted him this entire week. Spine-tingling stuff for the uh, likable Irishman. Look at that scene. And he will get to the 18th and tap in for the victory. 15 under par, six better than Tommy Fleetwood, a resounding win on uh, home soil for Shane Lowry. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford, two over on the day, plus four, tied for 57th. But the champion golfer of the year, Shane Lowry, trying to soak it all in. You know, I did, I did, I did quite well, to be honest, because I got off to a very shaky start. And, uh, you know, the, but the crowd were just unbelievable. I... Um, you know, I didn't feel great out there. I felt it was probably the most uncomfortable I've ever felt in a golf course. You know, you're trying to win an Open in your home country, and it's just, it's incredibly difficult. To be honest, it's it's surreal. Like, I still can't believe it's happening to me. I said to my caddy walking in the last, I said, I can't believe this is me standing here. Um, can't believe this is mine, you know. It's, it's just incredible. I've watched Open since I was a little kid, and to hear, to be named champion golf for the year, I mean, it's just incredible. 
What a great story. Okay, meanwhile, the Barbasol Championship in Kentucky, a chance for players to make some big money and get FedEx Cup points with most of the top guys at the Open Championship. Kelly Kraft, short birdie putt on the 14th, took a one-shot lead. 15th hole, veteran Jim Herman, who was the 54-hole leader, has an eagle opportunity here to regain the lead. Got it there. Just short, but taps in for birdie. Now on 17, Kraft for par. He'd bogeyed 16, so they're tied for the lead. Now he's one shot back, makes another bogey. And on 18, the 41-year-old Herman taps in for the win his second on the PGA Tour. He also won the Shell Houston Open in 2016. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor finished at 18 under, tied for 15th, and won a check for about 60000 So that will help him in his bid to keep his tour card. Welcome back. It's uh, dark days for the Whitecaps right now. They are physically tired, mentally defeated, and are getting kicked all over the soccer field. It is painfully obvious the team has a long way to go just to become competitive because the personnel they have right now has just been overmatched. Last night, another decisive loss, this time 3-1 to San Jose at a half-empty BC place. Mark DeSantos just looking for a pulse from his team, and he got it in the seventh minute, a sign of life off the set piece. The ball falls nicely for big Daniel Henry, and he smashes it home to give the Whitecaps the early lead and hopefully some confidence. But that was not the case because San Jose would respond just nine minutes later. They too got a fortunate bounce and Valeri Kazashvili, fondly known as Vaco, pounces on the loose ball, ties it at one. The Whitecaps noticeably sagged after uh, conceding that goal. Vaco hits the post off of Max Kripo. Somehow it stays out, but Chris Wondolowski will finally finish. Adds to his all-time MLS leading goal total. That's number 153 for Wondolowski. 2-1 San Jose at the half. And in the second half, San Jose puts it to bed. Magnus Eriksson plays it off the chest there and then gets it back and hammers it in. San Jose adds to the Whitecaps' misery. 3-1 the final. Final. Vancouver has now lost five straight MLS matches, outscored 17 to 2 in that stretch. In the first 15 minutes, we came out and we were um, we were aggressive. We 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 got the first goal. I felt good about the start. Then when we concede the two goals, mentally it's it's hard right now for us. Uh, and. Uh, to, to get a reaction there, it's it's hard, but it uh, it gives us also a lot of answers for the future. MLS today, defending champion Atlanta United taking on DC United. Wayne Rooney given the day off for DC. No scoring until the 89th. Atlanta on the attack, and it's Pity Martinez with the header. That's a pity for DC United. It's jubilation for that rabid Atlanta crowd that sets MLS records 1-0. And then three minutes later in stoppage time, Joseph Martinez gets behind the defense. He's onside, coolly finishes to seal the deal. Atlanta win 2-0. They move past DC United into second in the East. Boy, he was excellent in terms of his hold-up play. I can see him being a, was an opportunity here. Kane, what has he just done? Incredible! What a goal to win it! That was Harry Kane of Spurs with a goal from midfield during their friendly against Juventus today. The 93rd minute strike described by Kane as one of the best goals of his career. Spurs 3-2 winners against Juventus in Singapore. 
15th stage of the Tour de France. Another grueling climb up the punishing Pyrenees. Julian Alaphilippe, the man still wearing the yellow jersey, to the surprise of many, he's not the best in the mountains, saw his overall lead reduced by about a half minute today, but he still retains the jersey. Simon Yates of Britain out of the saddle for his second stage win of this year's tour. Alaphilippe's lead now a minute 35 over 2018 champ Garrett Thomas of Wales. British riders have won six of the last seven tours. Baseball today, Jason Tigers from Detroit. Jay's going for a rare series sweep this season. They were down 3-1 in the ninth, but Lourdes Gurriel Jr. drills a two-run homer to center, his 19th of the season. Game tied 3-3. Extra innings, though, Nicholas Castellanos ends it with this solo shot to left, and the Tigers come back to beat the Blue Jays. 4-3 in 10 innings. Well, it was a Baseball Hall of Fame induction day in Cooperstown, New York. Among those going in, Mariners' great designated hitter, Edgar Martinez. Yankees' outstanding closer, Mariano Rivera. And former Blue Jay in Philadelphia, Philly, the late Roy Halladay, whose wife, Brandy, gave an emotional speech. I think that Roy would want everyone to know that people are not perfect. We are all imperfect and flawed in one way or another. We all struggle, but with hard work, humility, and dedication, imperfect people can still have perfect moments. Roy was blessed in his life and in his career to have some perfect moments, but I believe that they were only possible because of the man he strived to be, the teammate that he was, and the people he was so blessed to be on the field with. And that's sports, Robin. All right, thanks for that, Barry. We have some breaking news. Dees Lake RCMP say they are looking for two missing men in connection with Friday's vehicle fire south of the Yukon border. It happened south of the Stikine River Bridge on Highway 3. Officers found a body nearby. They have not identified the person. Now they're hoping to find two young men from Port Alberni who were driving the vehicle. They are now missing. 19-year-old Cam McLeod is six foot four, approximately 169 pounds, with dark brown hair and facial hair and brown eyes. 19-year-old Briar Schmigelski is six foot four, approximately 169 pounds, with sandy brown hair. The two were traveling in a red and gray Dodge pickup truck with a sleeping camper and BC license plate LW6433. Police can also confirm that the deceased person, located about two kilometers away from the vehicle fire, is not Cam. Briar. What's the key to summer in BC? From navigating the events that shape the season to navigating the stories that shape our lives. Global News. We cover your summer. And finally tonight, a Canadian actor is becoming a Marvel superhero. The incredible Simu Liu. You may know him from the TV show Kim's Convenience. Shimi Liu is joining the cast of the highly anticipated film Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It was announced at this year's Comic-Con. Now, just a week ago, Liu auditioned to star as the Kung Fu Master. So he obviously got the role, and the movie is set to be released in February 2021. 
Exciting. We've got a local connection Canadian now. Canadian content. Yeah. He'll be Canadian, he'll apologize to the villains after he... he <laughs> they got to gotta somehow put that in there. they got to turn <laughs> like a Canadian flag. There's got to be some sort of subliminal message there Drown with all them of in that. maple syrup or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you come up with these things? This stuff writes itself. Oh, yeah. gosh. We're going to give you the last word with the weather. Yeah. Final look at your five-day forecast. Uh, still another warm one tomorrow, especially for the interior. Temperatures will be into the low 30s. Uh, if you're away from the water, and then Tuesday into our Wednesday, that's will start to track a bit of a change on the way. It's a quick blip in the forecast. We're just looking at showers for most areas across the south coast and then rebounding Thursday, Friday. All right, and that is our time for now. Have a great night, everyone.